Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Super Image LTD podcast. Uh, today, Carlos and I are here together uh, speaking with a friend of ours and an actress uh, who you all have probably seen before in uh, quite a few things. Uh, Sue Ann spoke, and I'll let her introduce herself and uh, what, what her filmmaking career looks like. Hi, my name is Sue Ann Spoke, and I am an actor or an actress, whatever you want to call it. And um, I've worked for a long time in the industry. Uh, I've done television and film and short film and big features and small features and uh, a lot of theater and produced a lot of theater. And I'm currently producing with my husband a documentary um, about a jazz musician who just happens to be his father, his late father, Warren Marsh. And, um, and I also currently serve on the faculty at the California Institute of the Arts, and I teach acting to graduate film directors. And I also teach another class in uh, character animation, acting for animators. And um, it's something that I was fortunate enough to luck into, and um, it has been a great home it's been a great creative home and uh we're having uh, our graduation and finally wrapping up a long virtual year and we get to go back in person in september in the fall so it's very exciting. so that's me excellent yeah that's very exciting and kind of keep the you know based on the format of the way we normally do these is we kind of go now that we've done the intro let's go back uh let's take the uh, back step and uh let's hear about how you came to be interested involved in in acting in that side of telling stories where where did that come from in your life you know i grew up on um a farm <laughs> in rural pennsylvania northwestern pennsylvania and most of my family were um, factory workers, farmers, tool and die makers. Um, I went to a public school and my graduating class was 46 students and 10 of them were my cousins. Just to give you an idea of how small this area was. <laughs> and I have wanted to be an actress since I was six years old. And I have no idea why it just it does not run in my family. Um, I took a dance class. I was allowed to take a dance class when I was like six. And at the recital, um, <laughs> where all the little girls in their little black leotards and their little pink, you know, leggings, they're supposed to come out and take a bow and go on stage. I like took a bow and people were clapping. And I thought, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other girls went off stage and I kept bowing and bowing and bowing. So I don't know what that has to do with pursuing an acting career, but it was really something that I've wanted for as long as I can remember. And I have no idea where the intention of that came from, the germination of that. I'd always felt an appetite for art and artistry and, um, did not really have a lot of support in my family. And uh, so, um, you know, had to kind of forge my own path, I guess. 
So then pursuing that, um, when, when would you say was the time that you began officially seriously pursuing that you knew, okay, this is where, this is the path I want to take, no matter what conflict I have to overcome, where was that turning well, point? Well, when I went to college, uh, my family, my parents would not let me go as a theater major. So I went as a French education major with a theater minor. And in as soon as I started working in the theater, I was like, this is it. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and, um, and at that time, you had to have a signature from your parents to change your major. And so I forged their signature and changed my major. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh yeah and the secret's uh, out <laughs> secret was out but you know the end of that first semester it was like what <laughs> like yeah too bad it made a little change you know so yeah. and that just stayed with it ever since undaunted oh yeah. oh no that's not true i have definitely been daunted yeah <laughs> but, you know, in spite of the daunting element of that I have, uh, you know, continued to pace throughout my long life. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, that's a, that's part of you know what what makes for for just that that passion to really come through. And um, it says here your first your first credited uh, bit on on IMDb is uh, the Golden Girls, Girl yes. in Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> and I so, was a. Lady of the Night, which I think is the uh, name of the episode. Uh, but that was, you know, uh, I had done a, a bunch of other kind of, you know, um, I, at one point I was uh, married to a man who was a comedy writer. And um, he worked with his partner on a show called Fridays. And I don't know if anybody would remember Fridays. Probably the only way they would know it is from the Andy, uh, from the Jim Carrey film about Andy Kaufman. Oh, Andy Kaufman yeah. was a guest host on this show. Anyway, my ex-husband was a staff writer on that show, and I did. They did a lot of short films. They had a this young filmmaker. He was only like nineteen years old and was shooting mm -hmm. on film, and wow. he was responsible for doing all the short films that were utilized. And I did a lot of those with him. And uh, and did a lot of sketch work with them and uh, so on and so forth. But yes, the Golden Girls and I was doing a lot of theater here in Los mm -hmm. Angeles at the same time. But Golden Girls was kind of like the first gig, and it was and still to this day, you know, my students uh, are like the Golden Girls. I saw you on the Golden Girls, and it was like, well, don't blink because you know, but I'm definitely <laughs> I'm the gal and the you know the purple spandex pants. Uh, you know, so yeah, that was a great gig. And then you, it, it looks like then it goes on and there's a bunch of, a bunch of TV, especially in, in the realm of comedy, like Seinfeld and, um, yeah. all the way through to like Beverly Hills, 90210. And, um, I did a lot of comedy. There was a, mm -hmm. uh, there used to be this window, uh, I think it was called, um, TGIF on ABC. I think they brought it back, you know, a couple of years ago, but these were the shows that they had. It was like uh, step by step and family matters and hanging with Mr. Cooper and life with Roger. And there were a whole bunch of them. And 
at that time, I just, and they were all over at Warner Brothers, which is actually still very close to where I live. And uh, I kind of went from like one show, I guess, start on, you know, one show after another, after another, after another. It was a very, it was a very different time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I remember the casting directors were all in one big building. So if you went to audition for a show, you walked down this long hallway and there were all these offices for casting directors. So you could just pop in and say, hey, Lorna, hey, Tony Spalta, how are you doing? What are you working on? And they'd be like, hey, I need somebody tomorrow for, um, you know, um, this Superman, what did they call it? Lois and Clark. Oh, the Lois and Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I did several of those. Just uh, it's uh, sometimes not even credited, you know, Um, but it was so it was a very different vibe. And then, of course, after, you know, 9-11 and security, you never, you know, now you have to go through pat downs and lockdowns and TSA to even get onto a lot anymore. And of course, now we're doing so many of our our auditions like this. Yeah. Even just through the, the recent years of, yeah, everything going virtual. And that's kind of one one question. Um, I'll like I'll like Carlos take the next one after after this. But um, mm-hmm. what has it been like, kind of seeing the transition over the years through TV, through film, and just kind of from the more analog ways of doing things into this more modern digital age of filmmaking and everything being so uh, more immediate? What has that experience been like for you as an actor, kind of seeing that transition? Well, you know, to me, really, the work is the work is the work. The only thing that changes is like the size of the proscenium. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, There are certainly practical benefits. I remember when, if you found out you had an audition, let's say I'm, you know, living in North Hollywood and I'm going to audition at Sony for something, you would have to drive to Sony to get your sides, you know, which is the material you're going to use for the audition bring it home, prepare it, and then go back to Sony the next day. So, you know, before you'd even started to work, there were like three or four hours invested of driving across town and, you know, things like that. And then, of course, the facts came in and things were facts to you. And now everything is very immediate. I do miss being in the room. And maybe because my background in theater is so strong, I love that sense of, you know, feeling what's happening with the observers, you know. Um, And it used to be you would go into a room and the director, the executive producers, the writers, everybody would be in the room if this was like the final callback, you know. And then it got to the point that it was just like the casting director and a camera operator. I mean, it just got more and more stripped down. And now we're, you know, in our living room, standing in front of the (laughs) I miss that though. I, I miss that really alive interaction, you know, but you have to prepare in the same way. And I think to some extent as, as an actor now, instead of kind of giving them, um, you know, like a template of, of who you are and how you're going to approach the role. Now, when you do it for self tape, you better have the thing pretty well refined pretty well refined Um, you know even the practical element of holding paper you know instead of reading sides this is like a nightmare if you're gonna yeah 
you know, I just went out of town with a friend of mine, another actress, and she works a lot. And, you know, we left and she said, oh, I don't know if I should take my computer, but I've got my ring light and so on and so forth. But she said, I haven't had an audition in a couple of weeks. So, of course, you know, we're like between here and uh, Pismo. We actually went up to Pismo. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> nice. And she was like, oh, no, I have an audition. And a little later, she's like, oh, shit, I have an audition. And then <laughs> like, okay, well, we'll figure something out in the hotel room, you know, next day I get up, I'm like, God, I've got to <laughs> so, you know, be out in the world vacationing. And we're like, you know, we're, we're taking, you know, shades off of lamps and because the ring light she had was so small that everything looked, you uh... know, so that's another thing too, you know, now actors are in a place where they have to have some sense of how to deal with equipment, yeah. how to upload, download, you know, fortunately my, my husband now is a wizard. He's like a techno wizard. He, and he's a wonderful actor too. So he reads with me, sets up the camera. He does all of that and uploads everything for me. Um, but we were, <laughs> we were kind of out on a limb by ourselves and we kept texting him. Okay. What do we do now? I think we have it uploaded. It's in iMovie. What do we do? <laughs> so that I think is an additional burden on actors yeah. and having the equipment, unless they want to go someplace every time they get an audition mm -hmm. and have their self tapes done. And, but then that gets very costly. Yeah. And that's something I've never even thought about. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's now on the actor to, to have that and to do that. Yes. Well, um, yeah. one of the things I wanted to ask, so coming from a, a school pr perspective, and I've seen the, the theater program at, at my university mm -hmm. uh, kind of grow and develop even in the past couple years. And one of the things that a lot of the people in the program are itching for is like opportunity to get out there and just do something. Because yeah. for the past couple of years, there haven't been many even short films for people to participate in. And, and it's mainly been just small stage productions and, and whatever the school can, can do. Cause our, our program is still very small. Um, but one thing we and did where is, is, and where is your school located? So we are in uh, St. George, Utah at the very okay. bottom of Utah by Las Vegas. And so, so it's a, oh, it's you're a further place. south because yeah, I have a friend who's in Utah right now and she works all the time. Oh, yeah. Northern yes. Utah is big. For, for industry. Yeah. Big time, yes. And we are a very diverse area. We get we attract a lot of people from California and Nevada uh -huh. and Arizona, and as well as just some people from abroad. And so they're looking for opportunity. And what we did is we hosted a very like big, large scale day-long audition event where people came in, read their monologue, we filmed it and we uploaded it to a database. So now student filmmakers have access to a database of actors who are willing to work. And Smart. You know, that's, that's something that di didn't exist in our program. So like, what are your thoughts on something that, you know, for people who are trying to, you know, even work break on in. student productions, break in, what would you have to offer as far as maybe advice or thoughts or something like that on a, maybe a student perspective of, you know, someone who's just looking for that exposure? Well, I certainly, you know, my students are going through the same thing, my filmmakers, and let's, let's kind of eliminate the challenge of the pandemic. Let's kind of take that out of the mix. 
even before that, you know, my directors are always looking for actors and, you know, and especially if they have a vision for going after a story that has, let's say, you know, parents or grandparents, or we have a, also a huge uh, international, we have a very diverse group of people. And, um, you know, they try to post in the more conventional newspapers and listings and, and they, they come to me and they're like, I don't, people didn't show up and they didn't, and it's heartbreaking to me. And I say to them, you know, I hate actors. <laughs> I, I say that with love, but you know, there, there can be a certain entitlement and I really, you know, if you make a commitment to show up for an audition, you have to show up. You have to be prepared. I don't care what you're doing. Uh, I am a huge advocate that you take your artistic integrity with you. You take a sense of professionalism with you. And, you know, because there are people who are more talented, or actually that's not true. There are people who are less talented than you are, who will get up earlier and go to bed later and work harder and will get further ahead. That's true. Absolutely. And I think you have to be willing to be a worker among workers. Mm -hmm. I think also now is the perfect time to think about creating content. If you don't feel like you can create content by yourself, find writing groups online, find guys like, you know, you guys who are, I mean, obviously forward thinkers, you're making stuff happen. You're making work happen. And if as an actor, I would want to sniff you guys out and say, what are you doing? What are you working on? What do you, you know, to get me? And, and I think it's important for, uh, you know, even for actors, if they want to do extra work, you know, be willing to do the grunt labor. Don't expect to go in and, you know, and, and do Vivian Lee and Gone with the Wind. I mean, you have <laughs> to have a sense of where you are, what your perspective is. How can you learn? How can you be of service? Mm -hmm. You know, don't make a list of demands of things that you have to have in order to do. You know, you make a commitment. You have to honor your commitment. Even right I now. Mean, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, that. no, that's. That, that makes total sense. And it's I, even I, with I, some I, of the stuff, even with some of the stuff we've done recently, especially with everything being shut down and et cetera, it's, it, it's less of a, Hey, I really want to get this scene so much as, Hey, I, we're really trying to hone our craft. You know, it's any opportunity we can to yes. continue to hone our craft. I mean, that applies to any of the crafts, you know, involved and I in would this. Say for actors, I mean, you can, you know, now you can find screenplays online, recast mm -hmm. it. You yeah. know, if you have, you know, if you're a younger person, let's say 500 days of summer, for example, mm -hmm. you know, do take scenes from that rehearse together, do, do a table read, yeah, do a table reading, you know, and now the world is going to start to crack open, you know, yeah. do, um, you know, I have a list of, and of course, I have to find it, and I, but, you know, I have, um, a list that I put together on just sort of the business of acting, which you cannot separate out the artistry and the aesthetic, yeah. but you know, how can you begin to train yourself? Go to T, you know, go to Turner classic movies, pick out, you know, 10 films this mm -hmm. week, 
that you're going to watch. Be familiar with your history. Know what's on what channel. Find out who the producers are. Find out who the casting directors are. Everyone has access to this, yeah. the information machine. It's not like you're sitting at home going, I don't know. I don't know how to find it. Hello. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have it, if you don't have a good computer system or iPad or whatever, go to, you know, reach out to somebody that does go to libraries that yeah. have, you know, I mean, there is no excuse for not knowing what is going on in your industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, I, you know, that is where and it ties back into you know, your whole story of that's where the passion really comes in the passion for it and that is what you have to have to to get anywhere really <laughs> absolutely i mean and that has to translate into purpose into yeah. purpose and action and you know this is a, to quote a friend of mine take my advice i won't be using it um <laughs> because you know a lot of what i say right now i'm not even doing but there was you know there certainly there was a time when promotion had a different feel and a different look you know you did a lot of mailers you sent out postcards you know i had like a spreadsheet of when i sent out postcards who i sent them to what i was marketing what i was promoting what show i had done the date that yeah. i sent it and then i would go back through it and go okay it's like six weeks later it's time for me to send something else even knowing that when they got it this might be the best that happens Oh, Sue Ann's doing something into the trash can. Yeah. You know, but just that flash again, I think now people have to have a really good sense of what social media is, how to function within it in a, in a way that is productive and not I'm going into quicksand, which <laughs> can also create, yeah. um, yeah. You know, investigate the idea of brand management, even if you're not a brand yet. Who are you? You know, what are you yeah. selling? Well, you, you know? yourself are the brand at that point. Yes, but you also have to look and go, you know, like right now, I'm not going to be cast as an ingenue in my dreams. Perhaps I'm going to be cast as an ingenue. I'm not an ingenue anymore. You know, I also, I do much more kind of blue collar work than white collar work. That's okay. You know, but you have to have a sense of who you are and, you know, what, like, a, even if you kind of seek out a path that you would like to follow or somebody's career that you feel, a, you know, a, a sense of identification with, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I'd say that. <laughs> I'd like to ask a question about, and, and it's kind of to talk about like two, two very different uh, kinds of roles because one is a very brief short role and the others a, a, a full almost leading role um first off i was curious you know we we noticed you're in uh whiplash one of our favorite films oh, um what a and great we're wondering episode. what that experience was like working in that it's a brief scene but what was that like being on that set well i have to say there was only myself and one other person you know the only two women in, <laughs> 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 you know, in the film yeah. Um, but I went in for the audition and then they had me come in for a callback and he was there. Damien was there and he looked like an infant. He looked <laughs> like he was, you know, 12 years old. And I, you know, 
you have to bear with me and I don't know where all this pot <clears throat> this podcast goes and uh, sometimes I talk like a longshoreman I don't mean to but I said are you the kid that fucking wrote this <laughs> <laughs> and um and he said yes I am and I mentioned earlier that I am working with my husband on a documentary. It's taken us a really long time. We're still not finished. It's almost, I mean, everything is shot, but we're still in a kind of very difficult editing process. And, and it's about a jazz musician. Ah. So I felt this really resounding congruency with what he was writing about. Ours is a very different thing, but it's like, underneath both of them is like what does it mean to be a genius yeah what does that cost a person mm -hmm. to be a genius and um so i did feel this strong affinity for it and you know i'm i feel incredibly fortunate that i was able to do it and um and i have to say damien was a wizard it was the first day of shooting. It was, I'll never forget. It was September the 4th. It was the first wow. day of shooting. And it was a long day. And he was so exacting. He knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly the coverage he wanted. Now he had done a short right. kind of to lead up to this, to get the funding for it. And, uh, and then in January of the following year, it went to Sundance. Yeah. Wow. So first day, September, you know, September 4th. And by January, like 16th or 20th, it was premiering in Sundance. That is crazy. <laughs> it took my breath away. He talked about how he wanted to shoot it, that he saw it as, um, uh, oh, I'm not going to have the right word, like a, like a warrior film. Mm -hmm. And he, he had this idea that towards the end, he was very influenced by what, not, not by Kung Fu, but a lot of the Asian influence of those fighters. And that's yeah. something he wanted to tr really capture in the editing. It's like really intense close-ups. Yes, yeah. exactly. And my, my husband is a drummer as well, too. Oh, ah, okay, cool. So those drumming sequences, I mean, it really took my breath away. They're and fantastic, yes. A masterful piece of work. Yeah, really? that and that just just being involved in that and, and you know knowing that that went on to become the product that it was, yeah, that definitely quite an experience for sure. Thank you for asking about it. I mean, it was a very it was a right a, a small scene, but I again I'm very proud to be part of it. And I did run into J.K. He lives uh -huh. in Mickey Simmons lives in my neighborhood, and I ran into him one night and I said. I think you're going to win the Academy Award for this. <laughs> now I was in it. He was like, oh, thanks for working on it. And he was so, you know, yeah. I said, well, I think you're going to sweep everything. And of course he did. And then he I did. saw him again, like three months later, I said, told you. <laughs> <laughs> Felt it. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And it was, and to kind of tie into the next film I was going to talk about is when, when I met you at the Cambria Film Festival was in 2020. Carlos met you the year before or maybe two years before and yeah, it was one of those moments was, where yeah we, yeah we met us separately i believe yeah 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 and i think it was with wild prairie rose yeah and that's the film i wanted to talk about because i did end up uh getting to see it when cambria film festival did their summer showing of it and yeah, yeah that was that was quite a role you were given there and uh you really yeah. brought that one to life that was amazing and i kind of wanted to know 
what that experience was like because that was a very um you know a difficult <laughs> you could say role to yes. to yeah um, it's a very different kind of role um it in a way it was a it was a tribute to both my mother and my grandmother because as mm -hmm. i said i grew up on a farm and uh there was a strong um there was a strong connection to where we were shooting we were in south dakota yeah and um can and you also, tell our listeners what the film is about just so they uh, have a little yes, context? Yes, the name of the film is called Wild Prairie Rose, and it takes place in, I believe, 1952, shortly after the war. And um, it's what happened to a lot of the women who went to work in the factories during the war and were met with a lot of regard and in their skill set. And yet when the men came back from the war, many women were kind of relegated to the traditional female roles of the early 50s. And um, the central character, this young woman, goes back home uh, after leaving Chicago to help take care of her mother, who she does not know at the time, but is dying of uh, cancer. And while she's in her hometown, she meets this remarkable deaf man and ends up falling in love with them. And uh, I think it's a beautiful film. Um, I loved our, our cinematographer. His name is uh, Kijin Kim. And uh, he's so brilliant. And I remember when I saw some of the first rushes for the film, I said, I was there and it didn't look <laughs> How did you make this look so beautiful? And, uh, and Troy, who plays the deaf, um romantic lead um i was i've known him for a long time he and mm. i did a streetcar named desire together oh wow uh, <laughs> i was playing blanche and he was my stanley wow and, uh, i've known him for a long time he's one of the most remarkable actors in fact he was in a film with marley maitland um that was at oh, sundance okay. this year it's called Coda, C-O-D-A. Oh, do you oh, know what? Yeah, that. we yeah we saw, saw that abundance this year. And that's swept everything. It's that's him. That's him. Oh he plays my the dad. god! That that just blew my mind that's right amazing. now. I'm gonna I'm, I have to like process yeah. that because <laughs> he be was screaming, uh, yeah. He was He's for sure my favorite person in that film. That that's great. Yeah, he was amazing. I love him. I've known him since he, you know, and this is a guy who couldn't get arrested because of his disability. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. He's one of the best actors I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I have worked up close and personal yeah. with him. I've seen him. I've, I saw him on stage do Cyrano. I saw him do Romeo and Juliet. He played wow. Romeo. Um, uh, you know, he's unbelievable. And he's really now starting to get, I think, his just due. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Coda was a big film at Sundance this year. That's, yeah, it swept everything. And it'll it be on the, Apple soon. Apple yeah, TV, Apple I TV, August something something. Yeah, and, that's um, yeah. So, um, you know, we kind of made a lot of stuff up as we went along. Uh -huh. We were tweaking the script as we went. I really want to credit our uh, brilliant editor uh, Meredith Summers. Mm -hmm. And 
we did not get all the footage that we needed when we were first in South Dakota. So a year later, we did pickup shots. Oh my God. Wow. Uh, we found a place that had been um, a community of African Americans. It's now a national, it's a, a national park. It's a very small park. And they've kept everything intact. It was from the 1950s. And so a wow. year later, we went back and did pickups. That's amazing. And, uh, <laughs> and she, our, you know, between the director, Deborah Levine and Meredith, you know, they really pulled a beautiful rabbit out of their hats. I'm very yeah. proud of that film. Yeah, it's I, a great film. I have to tell you, when we were sh when I was growing up with my mom, and again, rural area, you have to remember. So one of right. our activities was like looking for four-leaf clovers, okay? <laughs> it's happening in northwestern Pennsylvania. Um, anyway, so we're in South Dakota. I'm shooting outside. It's the anniversary of my mother's passing. I look down and there is a patch of four-leaf clovers, wow. like this big in the grass wow i was like you're looking over <laughs> honest to god literally i was wow. like wow so you know when you have those kind of moments those elevated kind of transcendent moments you like to think it's it's an indication that whatever it is that you're working on has this sense yeah. of uplift you know and, and there, there yeah. was a definitely a sense of some that film being special, and you could tell there was a lot of passion going into it, uh, as far as it being, you know, something that maybe not, uh, may, might not receive as much support as maybe as it deserves because it's such a specific passion project. But I'm so happy that it was able to be put together, that I was able to see it, you know, that audiences Thanks. were able to experience it. And I mean, Cambria yeah. Film Festival, they love, they loved that film. So. Yeah. And, you know, it's relatively benign. I mean, you know, it's, it's, nobody gets shot or killed or, no, or, you know, but it, ha you know, it, 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 it's also, I think, a very feminist film. It was yeah. produced by women. It was written by a woman. It starred women and Troy. Um, but, you know, it had, uh, and we were addressing a real issue. Yeah about women at that time and, and it really uh, fit thematically for sure yeah so um you know and i feel very fortunate because I, if i look back on even the last and i've done a bunch of projects uh you know i uh, probably one of the last big things i did i just guest starred on station 19 mm -hmm. you know which is a gray's anatomy kind of yeah right and same thing produced by women directed by women written by a woman, you know, not the same woman, but I, yeah, no offense to you guys, <laughs> but, you know, but it's good to see. It's, to, it's great yes. to see. Absolutely. You know, I'm like, okay, it's my tribe. Mm -hmm. It's my tribe. Good. And like there it. was another, so last year at the Cambria film festival, when I met you, you were there with a short film that I can't remember the name of. And I, I was trying to find it. When you get home, yes, that was a fantastic short film, and I was wondering Thank if you, you could talk a little bit about that one. Well, you know, I knew I wanted to take a creative leave at um, at school, and I thought, you know, why don't I make my own film? I mm -hmm. have a great yeah. 
I have a great resource here with crew and and I just happened to share an office with our writing faculty. Oh, and I yeah. said, you know, I kind of have this idea and I would love to, you know, talk to you about it. And so we got together and had lunch, asked Deborah again if she would direct. And uh, and that's that's what we did. We shot it here at my house. The, you know, the film opens with an automobile accident. And can I tell you something? A week before we were supposed to start shooting, I was in a car accident totaled my car. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, if anybody really talks about the method, <laughs> I was like, did I really take it too far here? And I thought, no, I was just completely distracted. And it was my fault, which is to add insult into injury. Um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. It has not had as much success, like on the festival circuit, as I certainly would have liked. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I'm very proud of the work. Yeah. I did have an actor in mind that I wanted to ask. And then one, one night, I kind of just woke up in the middle of the night and I said, you know, I've got to put my money where my mouth is if I want to talk about, you know, diversity and casting. And I had worked with Thomas, the guy I did the film with. Uh, we had done a play together. We had done the West Coast premiere of um, uh, an Atoll Fugard play, South African playwright. And uh, we had worked together and I said, you know, let's do this, you know, please do this with me. And uh, he you was know, I fantastic. He, I didn't. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Um, a question I had, like about this, was how what 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 was that process like? Because the the creative process, like behind the scenes and behind the camera, is you know something that you know a lot of people you know don't think about. You know, especially when it comes to screenwriting and and and. Uh -huh building a film from, from the ground up. So being involved in, in kind of that process, what was, what was that like um, for you and your background? Well, you know, I had produced a lot of theater and I had optioned pieces for myself. I thought, you know what, I'm going to just hire me. Um, and, and I did a lot of really big roles in productions that I optioned myself. And, um, and I always, I'm not really a money producer. I'm a creative producer. I see. I have a really strong sense of like mise-en-scene and art direction. And uh, and I think I can put a good team together. And I also do the best craft service because I do <laughs> catering. And, I, and, you know, I paid everybody, you know, even if it was nominal, I paid everybody. But, you know, in the morning, we did not have, you know, cold cereal. We had quiches and organic sausages, and you know, and that and that's its own form of payment too. <laughs> you know, um, because I I want there to be a sense of care. I want yeah. there to be literally a sense that we are taking care of each other in this process. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to take care of me when I'm in front of the camera, and I'm going to take care of you here. You know. Tried not to abuse, you know, anyone's time. Um, there were some things that I would have done differently in terms of 
cheating. You know, um, perhaps looking again at um, a little bit more, not storyboarding, because that's not really my thing, but a little bit more clarity about our um, our visual style. And uh, But, you know, it's like on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that true. one's done, and then we, you know, we go to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, there's been a sense of, you know, inertia, at least for me. It's, you know, am I going to do some art today? And then I would find myself during the pandemic just, like, mindlessly coloring. That's what I was doing, you know. <laughs> 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 Friends of mine are like, oh, I read 30 books, and I did, you know, I wrote a this. And I'm like, yeah, I colored, like, 100 different things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. got to find their own way, you know, through that kind of isolation and oh, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. you are reflecting on. But I'm definitely feeling a sense of renewal. Again, I'm definitely getting that. Mm -mm -mm. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. What are we going to do? How are we going to yeah. do it? One question is um, now that you're kind of more in a, in a teaching role, you know, in, in, as a faculty member at um, Cal arts, is uh what what is that experience like uh you know kind of taking your experience your advice your things you've learned and then passing that on to like the next generation of actors what is that perspective well, you know the you? thing that's been uh you know the opportunity to go to cal arts and become a faculty member there which what happened over a period of time i covered mm. for some i first i went up to i actually did a couple of uh scenes for them a couple of short plays i did then i went up and i did a workshop and then somebody went on creative leave and i took over and then they came back and blah 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 um i have to remember that i'm teaching directors uh -huh. i'm teaching film directors i see and i it came at a time where i was really sick of the industry i mean i i just was like i can't stand this anymore you know and um and it really cracked me open. First of all, because I was dealing with such cultural diversity. And I had to adapt a lot of my thinking. It's very different, you know, teaching actors who have been in a process and sometimes they have a lot of bad habits. And, and I, but I have to be really mindful that these are directors. Yeah. I have to be very clear to them that we are working together. We're, you know, they're walking in the shoes of the actor so they can begin to cultivate empathy and mm -hmm. compassion for what the actor does, what it's, what is required, how holistic the process is. I am also trying to encourage them to be, you know, kind of citizens of the world. You have to start observing human yeah. behavior, really putting it under scrutiny and they're also writing, you know, we're a program where they write a lot of their own material and, you know, what is the logic of behavior, you know, and you cannot condescend your characters, even if you don't yeah, like yeah. them, you can't say, oh, this character's a jerk. No, he isn't, He's you know, no, she isn't. Human. <laughs> got to find what makes somebody behave in a way that we look at and go, oh, gosh. Ooh, why are you behaving like that? You know, 
And to ask yourself those questions and what I really want for them, I want them to understand, have a, like a taste of various methodology, but I also want them to have something that if it's the last take of the day, they're losing the light and they have to return the equipment the next day. How are you going to give information to your actors that will yield the, an effective result. Mm. What is that language? What is that vocabulary? What are the questions that you ask? You know, my class is also, it's the cohort building. You know, they have to do a lot. You know, they're not just sitting and taking notes. They're up on their feet. They're moving. They're doing, you know, they're doing very intimate exercises. They have to drop a lot of masking. Yeah. You know, yeah, because it's a whole process. I mean, it involves mm-hmm. two sets of emotional flows going on. Yeah, but I have seen work come out of these directors, people who have never acted before, that has taken my breath away. Things I will never forget <laughs> that they created monologues that they decide. You know, um, I ask them all to do a monologue. It's just a great jumping off point to ask them to pick something that speaks to them, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and again, because I have so many international students, a couple of them have said, is it okay if I do it in my native? I'm like, sure, go ahead. doesn't matter. And they've been incredible because behavior is behavior. If you know what you're doing, it doesn't matter what you're saying. And we as an audience member can respond strongly. We, that, that information is translated, you know, it's like, even if they went blah, 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 blah. If it's purposeful, if you're, you know, playing an action, a solid intention, you know, who you're talking to, we'll get it. We'll figure it out. I think you can probably see now that I love acting. I love watching oh, yeah. it. I love doing it. I love analyzing it. I love it. I think it's a fascinating medium. I think it's perfect for directors to to know what it takes to do that. Yeah. Well, know? because the thing is with about acting is, you know, an actor can act without a director. Director, if he doesn't have an actor, what, what, what are they doing <laughs> at the end so of the day? I, yeah, I studied with a woman named Joan Darling. And if you're not familiar with her, she was the first woman to win an Emmy for directing. Oh, like the wow. Mary Tyler Moore show. She worked with Norman Lear. You know, Steven Spielberg used to crash on her couch. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, she, and then she went on to direct his amazing stories and Hawaii. Yeah. Anyway. She was not known for being a technical director. She was known for being an actor's director. And, uh, you know, she always used to say, she called her acting class, um, you know, directing the actor or how to deal with the most important piece of equipment on the set. And I try to instill in my directors this sense of, you know, you can have a cinematographer that's better than you are. You can have an art director that's better than you are, and you can still supervise them. But the only person who can own, who can do the one thing to talk to, to the actors is the director. Yeah. 
that's where you have to have some expertise and mastery. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else can fill that in and nobody else should be doing that. Right. You know, I mean, and I've worked with directors who never even introduced themselves to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> you, know <laughs> I'm a star, you know, like, hi, nice to meet you. Um, but you want to have that kind of investment, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I, because by and large, the audience is not going to sit back and go, oh, boy, I love that lighting that's up in the corner of the, you know, the yeah. general audience is not going to be enamored. They came, they come to watch the actors. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I think we're at a point where we want to see somehow ourselves reflected yeah. back to us. You know, I Absolutely. mean, the first time Walt Disney took a door plate and, you know, made eyes and a nose out of a door plate and a doorknob. And we went, oh, yeah, that, that's that, you know, that that anthropomorphizing that's done. Yeah. We're always sort of looking to see where we are. Mm-hmm. Am I in this film? Am I, is there something that I can figure out about life and humanity by watching this character or this situation? Yeah. You know, you were going to ask me something, Carlos, and I just, yeah. Afraid. I had a question, um, or I guess more of just kind of a blanket statement, but one of the last shorts that I worked on um, this last semester, we worked heavily on performance and the actors because I really haven't had an opportunity to work with people who are as passionate as these two actors that we um, mm-hmm. find. And the couple that we were working with, I mean, in the film, they, they go through just a roller coaster of, of emotion. And it was important to us that they understood who these characters were and they took the ball and they ran with it and they worked with some of their like coaches and professors, excuse me. And um, one thing they talked about was how their professors told them, okay, you need to explore who these characters are before the film. And so whenever the cameras were rolling or whenever they arrived on set, they weren't Kobe and Ada, the actors, they were Jane and John, the, the, the couple. And that blew me away. And it was one of the first times that I got to see that. And one thing, like you were talking about, you know, that you love acting. And I think that you love watching it, you love, you know, performing. And what is something that maybe you can take from that. Is that like a process that you would agree with, or is that something that, you know, the actor's process can vary from person to person? Well, I think that the process does vary from person to person. I am somebody that when I get to set, I want to be as prepared as I can possibly be. And I also want to have several options in Mm -hmm. my pocket, you know, of, um, things that I can, if I want to change a choice, if I want to have a different tactic, that I've already thought that through. Um, Also, because time is so limited, really, you don't have the luxury of much rehearsal. So you have to maximize all the time that you get, which often is very, very little. So I like to be as prepared as I can when I arrive on set. And for example, you know, I, I did um, se- uh, several days on General Hospital. 
And they were shooting three episodes and they were scheduled to shoot 110 pages in one day. And I had 40 some pages of dialogue and I worked on it the entire I mean, I was just like grabbing my husband. Let's go through these scenes again, you know, because it's like a train. It's like you're trying to hop on a train that's going 60 miles an hour and you better be up to speed or you are going to be left in the dust. And most attention on set is for the name players, you know, um, you know, Miles Teller had, uh, you know, got a lot of attention from Damien, um, which I completely understand. But again, I was ready, you know, I was completely ready when I got there. Um, when you're doing television, and if you're with the, the regulars, the series regulars, they will shoot all the series regulars first. You will get your close up if you're guest starring at the end of the day. So you have to, and especially, you know, I've moved now from a lot of comedy into a lot of hour long episodic, much more dramatic stuff. And if you are required to hit a certain level of uh, intensity, I prefer to use intensity rather than emotion. You have to be able to monitor that over the course of a 12-hour, 10-hour, 14-hour, 16-hour day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't like diddling around at the craft service table if I have a really demanding thing I have to do. And I don't know if they're going to call me at 3 o'clock or 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. you know. So I like to be as prepared as possible. Um and I'm not as quick as uh, a study as I used to be. I used to be able to look at a scene and go, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know? Now I'm like, do I have it? I don't think so. Let me look at it again. You know? Um, so it's, and it's not just memorization. The memorization to me is the icing on the cake. It's actually yeah. like the sprinkles in the cherry on top of the frosting, on top of a cake that you have to bake in terms of really having solid choices. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why is it important? Who are you talking to? Who are they? And then if the director comes out of left field and says, you know, I think I've changed my mind. I think that the tone <laughs> of the thing, you know, should be like this. And I think, you know, I better be able to say, okay, I've got something. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the last things I wanted to ask here is about the process that you go through where you're preparing for a stage scene or where you're preparing for a screen scene, a a movie or TV and how those two processes differ uh, from each other. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, the process is, is exactly the same, you know, how I prepare, Um, you know, obviously in theater, you have a much longer time to, cultivate and craft and hone and because you have long rehearsal process and you're collaborating over an extended period of time so you have the breadth and the space to really dig deep one of the things that i always do though when i'm doing theater is i read the script every day even when we've gotten to performance even if we're in a run i still read the script every day 
to see if there's something that I'm missing, some other piece of information that I can pull from the text. But uh, it's like I said earlier, to me, the only difference is the size of the proscenium. So if I say to the director, are you going to have me in an ECU or, you know, then I, I know how to, oh, I'd like to think I know how to craft the responses in a way that aren't too big for the proscenium. Yeah. And the proscenium to me is the camera frame or the real proscenium in a theater. If it's an intimate black box theater, if it's a, you know, a bigger stage, then I know that I can do more gesticulation. I can do more fully inhabited. But if I'm in an extreme close-up, I'm still making the same choices. I'm still dealing with the same intention. It's just I have to be very mindful of mm-hmm. how tight the camera is. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Because, um, that's something that I don't think a lot of like up and coming and newer directors and, and student filmmakers realize is that performance, um, like w- when I'm trying to get a good performance out of an actor or if I want to work with them to see what they can provide to give me the best, um, because it's sometimes I feel the directors feel like everything's about what I want. And while, yeah, it's ultimately up to the director to, to, to pull that emotion out and and the, the way that the scene plays out at the same time the actor has to be happy with it as well and well, I don't happy I, with it but you have to have a point of relationship to what you're mm-hmm. talking about exactly you know, um, I do hear a lot of younger directors speak in terms of end result oh you should be angry or you should be blah 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 you know whatever it is this kind of blanket generalization of an emotional sensibility and you know, there's this fascinating article, like, for example, anger, like anger around the world is completely different. Even in my own family, you know, my father was a screamer and he used to like to do it when he was eating. So, you know, he'd be screaming, he'd have food in his mouth, you know, and my mother was a tisker when she was upset. That was her really angry. She would cross her hands or cross her arms like this. That was her furious. And my dad screaming, ranting, raving, he's turning blue, you know. So, but if you say to me, somebody has betrayed you, I go, okay, all right. I I have someone in mind. Let me play the scene, <laughs> you know? So it gives me something that I can relate to it covers what the event of the scene is and it will hopefully lead me to a place that is authentic, that is very natural. And it's not going to look like I put on the mantle of I'm so angry now. Right. You go, boy, why is it this reading is true behavior? That it's not. (laughs) And I'm, you know, and if I'm doing that as an actor, I'm doing more to try to you know, appease my director than playing what the need and the intention of the scene is. Yeah. That's where all my focus should be. Not on placating the director. I mean, I take that seriously, but I need to take that seriously in between takes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It absolutely does. And, you know, it's great to hear these points of view from you, especially, you know, after, after having such a, such a rich career and, 
in all different uh, versions of the medium, you know, that you can, you can think of. And I think it's extremely valuable. And it's great that you're in a position where you're able to then take that and pass that knowledge down because, you know, that's kind of one thing as a, a, both of us having gone through film school and, and learning from other people and even having been on some film sets where it's like the director doesn't understand the actors maybe the way they should. And I know that's one of my shortcomings that I've had to, uh, you know, face is like, I really need to work on dealing with my actors. Cause that is the, that's where it's at. That's the key. That's where everything unlocks. And you're right. You can have a great cinematographer and a great sound guy and a great, you know, editor. That's their job. That's, you know, mm-hmm. the director works with them and lets them do their job. Same with an actor. An actor should be, there's a relationship, you know, and they should, the actor should be trusted to do their job. And at the same time, it's a back and forth. So it's, it's complicated, but it's also not. <laughs> I both recommend, and I have no vested interest in this at all. None. I think one of the best books ever written is called Directing the Actor by Judith Weston. And okay. she's just retired and she has put out, I think her 20, it's the 25th anniversary edition of this book. And if you read anything about her background, you will see, you know, the directors that she has worked with. She puts directors and actors together in the classroom. And um, her book is fantastic. And I would recommend that over reading really an acting book. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would recommend, I also, I get no money from this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can read it. It says uh, actions, the actors, thesaurus, and it's by Marie Calderon. And it's literally, I don't know if you can see this, but it's, let me just read just a couple, just to give you an idea. So here it is to excite to animate, to arouse, to astonish, to awaken, to boost, to brighten, to captivate, to cheer. So instead of having um, a description uh, of what the definition is, it gives you other references of things that you can say to an actor. You are trying to boost their enthusiasm. You are trying to, you know, and leave the emotion out of it. You know, emotion is a byproduct of what you are doing. It's like yeah. sweating to running. You can't just sit and say, okay, I'm going to start sweating now. <laughs> okay, any minute now I'm going to start, yeah. you know, it, and it's like trying to impose that on an actor. Okay, be happy. Be this, be, you know, do, what are you doing? What are you doing? So this fantastic book and directing the actor tidbit all you listeners out there that's uh, <laughs> some good advice yeah. <laughs> any, any future directors <laughs> watching or listening betcha you betcha well thank you suan that's about all the time we have today but uh maybe we look can try and get you on again on the show sometime because there's obviously so much more we could talk about oh, yeah. <laughs> we could oh, go on and on I, about this I it'd really be wonderful appreciate, uh, you know you guys having me and getting to talk to you and catching up with you and uh you know hopefully i'll see you at the next year's film festival and we'll oh yeah see what's what 
Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Superman JLTD podcast. Remember, you can check out the audio version on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching, uh, thank you for watching. Make sure to subscribe to our channel. And we look forward to seeing or you hearing us next week. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.